Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever you get your podcast. Now that Joe is done with football season, GBB Live will be back. Probably a big guest coming. Stay tuned. And then Justin Lewis and Sean Coleman have brought on the 3ND Podcast. And their first guest was Eric Hasselstein, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, so you should listen to that. Eric is brilliant, and so are Justin and Sean. You can also find Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at Grizzlies or at grizzlybearblues.com. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Nathan Champion Chester. Nate, how's it going? It's good to be back in person, man. I really think the show is better when we're here together. But um, it's not been going so good, man. I've been rolling with the punches here. I've lost 15 pounds from the flu, been recovering from a broken left shoulder, um, had to complete two 20-page research papers at the same time. So life's been better. Life's been better. But, you know, you're making it through the rough patches, which is where I'm at. Yeah, it's one of those things, as the kids say, you hate to see it. Mm. But guess what? This is, this is your flu podcast. <laughs> So what's the equivalent for me? Michael Jordan had the flu game. No, 30, he, he scored 37, he but scored he was also hungover. It wasn't the flu game. He was hungover. He had both. That's what. That's kind of what I expected. He got the flu. He got sick because he was hungover. And, I'm uh, not, that's, and, and, and just all you churches out there who are looking for potential youth pastors, I did not get the flu because I was hungover. Just wanted to make that clear. Yes, what he said. Mm-hmm. And so, Nate, we have a lot to be thankful for. We do. Uh, and when you go through the hard times like I have for the last couple of weeks, it starts to put in perspective all the things that you're thankful for. And there was nothing. <laughs> One thing I'm thankful for, both for myself and for the Memphis Grizzlies, is health. After last night, I am thankful for health. Yeah. Yeah. In case you missed it, John Morant almost died because a freaking cameraman had to have his camera a little too close to the baseline 
And Ja Morant doing what Ja does, tried to fly over Miles Turner and just got not to the ground. And he landed back first on the camera. I don't want to say that guy is the Hitler of cameramen, but that was the most evil camp. Like, he just stands there, lets Ja Morant run into him, back first into the knee, and then he just stands there and doesn't move at all and just stares at him as he's just laying there on the court. He doesn't do anything. I'm going to take a less controversial um, (laughs) approach on this. I want to call him the Toby of cameramen. Toby Flanderson. What? Toby. Toby. Uh, Toby. Is this Parts and Rec? Dog. It's The Office. I, I never watched either. All right, well, the core four is now canceled. Um, I, I am on the search for new co-hosts. Please um, just DM me if you have serious inquiries. But anyways, mm-hmm. we're, faith, we're thankful. For one, I mean, we're actually getting to do a podcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're actually getting to do one here in person, which is not something we get to do very often. Like, Hopefully after I graduate and come back to Memphis, which is the most likely possibility, be able to do this a little more often. So... That's good to be back. And it's not only that Ja came back healthy last night and was able to play normally, and we're also thankful that he was able to come back and replace Tyus Jones because, good Lord, that man was bad last night. He's been bad the last couple of games. You know how hard it is to be a minus 25 in 12 minutes of play? Um, well, if you were in the game for that – um, 2012 Clippers for game one when they came back from down 27 that would probably do some damage to it I think that's good Nick Young required a burn the tapes kind of night mm-hmm. and really last night was that too Grizzlies defense wasn't very good rotations weren't good pick and roll defense wasn't good it never really is but if a team doing to shoot 55% from beyond the yard you were never winning that game no matter what you did so it is what it is but to see Ja come back into the game and not see him just return back healthy, but he tried to dunk on Miles Turner two more times. Literally within three minutes after he got back into the game, he tried to throw one down. Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. I just want to get out of here. Like, I, this is scaring the heck out of me. I don't even care about the game anymore. And he's over here trying to literally end Miles Turner's whole career. I'm going to end this man's career. This man's career. All right, so this is the core four. We try to usually do four four stuff. And so we're going to talk about things we are thankful for about the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And, Nate, I'm going to let you start. You know, John Jaron is so cliche. I think we could do a, work a little bit outside the box with that. Um, the first one, I'm going to go with Taylor Jenkins. And if you go on Grizz Facebook, you'll hear your mutterings about how the Grizzlies are five and twelve. They're they're not winning games. I don't think Taylor Jenkins is the guy. But um, Taylor Jenkins has done everything that he set out to do so far for the Grizzlies to much success and results. And that hasn't necessarily shown greatly in the win loss column, but we never expected it to. Um, mm-hmm. Look at the talent on this roster; they're not ready for that just yet. Um, but he wanted to bring the Grizzlies into the pace and space era, and that's exactly what he's done. The Grizzlies are playing fast. Um, they're top five in pace, and they're fourth in the league in assist. Now, two of those, both of those things are directly related to having um, a generational point guard prospect in John Morant on your basketball team, but he, in training camp, set out 
to put the system in place for the Grizzlies to play this way, even though they had never even come any semblance to playing that way over the course of franchise history. And he did it. And this is the way the Grizzlies are going to have to play to fit into the modern NBA and to be successful in the modern NBA. And they're well on... <coughs> flu, sorry. But they're well on their path to doing so. Taylor Jenkins is the guy. And he was always going to be here for the next four or five years regardless. But I feel very comfortable in saying that he's the guy going forward. And I'm thankful he's here. I'm thankful Taylor Jenkins is here too. Mm-hmm. Because like you said... It's a new it's a new era of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. There's a lot more pace and space. And one thing I also even said too, it's not even just like pace and they're playing fast. It's they're being selective on when they're playing fast. Yeah. And that is like, of course, getting pushing the ball off rebounds. That's not letting the defense set up off inbounds and at least just getting the offense started early. That's also just you know, Knowing when and where to have the half-court offense, but also when and where to push the pace a little bit. I think I want to say it was back in the Western Conference Finals between the Warriors and Rockets two years ago, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy was making the point as he was talking about Dan Tony, and he was actually talking about the seven seconds or less Suns back in the mid-2000s, and he was making the point that whether it's the case with the Rockets and D'Antoni, both then and now, or D'Antoni with the Suns, the misconception of playing with pace is that you always have to be playing at a breakneck pace. That's not something you necessarily have to do. The Grizzlies right now are not coming down. John Morant's not grabbing a rebound, taking three dribbles down the court, and kicking it, skipping it to one pass to Dylan Brooks for a three. Now, that does happen sometimes, but that's not the norm of what they're doing. They're not well, shot chuckers. That's not what they're doing. Well, that happens, in the, but it's not a three. It's a long two. No, his foot's on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah long yeah, twos. That's what he means for it to be a three, and his heart is what matters. So True. <laughs> it's all about the heart. Yeah, but... Uh-huh. It's also too just you look at also the half court sets. Mm-hmm. There's just it's a lot more smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, playing I mean, playing with pace is not the same as playing at a breakneck pace necessarily. You're getting into your sets faster, and the ball's moving. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know like Jaron and Jod, they they're the focal points, but you're also getting to see people spread the wealth a little bit. I mean, each different night, I mean, you've had. You know, Kyle Anderson go off for like 13 points. You have Jay Crowder sneaking into that 15-20 range sometimes. You have Jonas Valanciunas getting into that 15-20 to range. You have Brandon Clark getting in that 15-20 range. Dylan Brooks, he's in that 10-20 to range. Mm-hmm. It You don't know what you're going to get every night. And that's also been nice to see because you, in the process, are seeing guys who are willing to step up, but also guys that are finding success in the system. Mm-hmm. And granted, the equal opportunity offense could be restricted just a little bit because I would like to see the offense run through Jaron Jackson a little more than it has this year. That's the only minor gripe I would have with Jenkins so far this year. But Jaron against the Pacers, that was the most they'd run the offense through him all year long. Ended up with 28 points in 23 minutes. Um, They're definitely making more strides and more emphasis on doing that. And Jaron doesn't necessarily have to be the guy just yet. I think a lot of us probably overestimated our expectations for him coming into this year. And you would see someone like (coughs) Omari's post for the Athletics saying that um, 
Uh, Jaron could average 22, 8, and 4 with two blocks this year and is going to be an all-star in his second year. And his inexorable march towards being a combination of Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis begins this year. That could very well still happen, but let's just calm it down just a little bit. He's playing very well here lately. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so my thing I'm thankful for, Mm -hmm. it's kind of – coincides with yours a little bit. And I'd actually text this one to you. I, this one's going to throw you off guard. It might piss off some older Grizzlies oh, fans. I like edginess. I'm glad we moved on from grit and grind. Uh, is that really... I mean, the, the, there, there's the, probably... I'm going to piss off Grizz Facebook for that one. There's some boomers who are listening to this show right now who are just Boomer, shaking. Boomers don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Come on. They still listen to the radio, oh. FN radio. Okay. Shout out 92.9. Um, God forbid but, they ever get a radio show then. Yeah, but anyways, mm-hmm. like, of course, Grant and Grime was amazing. Mm-hmm. You had, it's going to be the, one of the greatest eras in Memphis history. Not even in the, not even in the fact that it's like success, it defined the city and it just brought a different sense of excitement that we never saw in professional sports in Memphis, or even, I don't even know about Tiger sports in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards the end, like that twenty, that 2016 when Marcus Gasol went down. 2016 is when it all started to fall off. Um, that 2015-16 season, remember when they got blown out by Cleveland on opening night and lost by 50 to the Warriors a couple nights later? Mm-hmm. And they ended up rebounding and stabilizing before Gasol went down. But even even then, like they were not beating even good teams. They were beating all the teams they were supposed to beat. <coughs> yeah, and losing to all the teams, all the league's good teams. And at that point, I was just thinking to myself, you know, they'll probably they could limp into the playoffs as a six seed, which they ended up as an eight seed, playing twenty eight players that year. But is this really worth it anymore? It's not fun anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And I. In 2016, you had that whole thing when Mike went down. Well, Mark went down first, then Mike, and then Mario went down, and then Mike saw what happened to Mario and kind of just like, oh, I'm going to, I had this heel issue. I'm going to sit out. <coughs> also, he was secure in the bag. Um, and then Brandon Wright was hurt. And at the time, Brandon Wright was actually like an important piece. Hmm. And the Grizzlies were basically the equivalent of the Philadelphia 76ers, the trust the process one, if they were actually in the playoff picture. I think they closed the season. 2-14, like, I think. I yeah. want to say it was like 4-18 and 18 or something, 4-20. Mm-hmm. and 20. I don't know. But I was honestly, that whole time I was like, I would be totally cool if the Grizzlies missed the playoffs. They gave that pick to Denver because their pick was top five protected. And then fifteen through twenty or fifteen through thirty protected. So if it fell in that six to fourteen range, mm-hmm. they would lose it. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind just missing the playoffs, losing the pick, and then get ready for that twenty seventeen draft because Mike Conley may not come back. And if Mike Conley doesn't come back, you're not a playoff team. And guess what? You get to keep the pick in a top heavy draft. That was mm-hmm. the one where you look back now and you're like, oh God, but it was like Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson. And, and, and you know, People will listen to the opinion that you're that we're both giving right now, and they'll think like you don't remember what it was like 
Elmo says that we weren't there as if we weren't fans of the Grizzlies back in the early 2000s. We were as if we weren't fans of Alcazar, Shane Batty, and Mike Miller. Right. As if we didn't have to live through the Juan Carlos Navarro, the OJ Mayos. <coughs> no, no, they can. The, the Marco Milicek. DeMarco and Darko both play for the Marco Yarick and Darko Milicek yes. both play for the Grizzlies at the same time. We lived through that. We remembered how bad it was. But we were also like, we don't really see any upside to continuing on the path that they were on. Right. And that was my thing, too. Well, for one, they can complain all they want, but living as a kid in a rebuilding, when you're a fan of a rebuilding team, that sucks because all your friends are like, dude, your team sucks. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, being a naive kid, you're going towards the winning teams. You're cheering for the Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Lakers, and all them. And I'm having to hear at school, like, all oh, the Grizzlies stink. And I'm like, Okay, sorry. Like I, but it was one of those things. It was inevitable, mm-hmm. and it became inevitable when the whole Chandler Parsons signing an injury happened, and then like Zach and Tony got old. Zach was moving to the bench. Mm-hmm. Tony was good, but he was hobbling. And then you got to a point where Mike Conley went down, and then you saw Marcus Saul's regression start happening. And in that that twenty, so twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, those two seasons. Even with like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks, it just felt lethargic, and I just I wasn't happy watching the Grizzlies try to sustain grit and grind because it was dead, and they didn't want to face the reality yet. And they were trying to sustain grit and grind, not even so much for basketball purposes, but almost for a marketing slogan. That's always how it felt to me, and and that kind of leads me to the second thing that I'm thankful for here now is we saw all that struggle as we watched grit and grind just slowly decay right before our it was like watching a loved one slowly pass away before your eyes it's just like (coughs) there's nothing we can do about it it's just happening so why do you keep trying to prolong the inevitable the way that they did but the basketball gods for whatever reason smile on the Memphis Grizzlies they did around the time of 2009 when Really, the Grizzlies formed a playoff core pretty much by happenstance. They drafted Mike Conley. A Marc Gasol, a second-round pick, became what he did. You trade for a troubled Zach Randolph. And then a journeyman defender from the Boston Celtics ends up becoming what Tony Allen was, the Memphis Grizzlies. And boom, you got a team that was a borderline championship contender in Memphis. And now the Grizzlies kind of stumbled their way through the death of the last era of basketball. And somehow ended up with not only a potentially generational big man in the NBA draft, but also probably the best point guard prospect of the last five to ten years. Wait, in the NBA. did you say the best? Yeah, who's better? Over your golden boy, Trey Young? Bro, you are torn. You are it, so torn right it, now. Uh, ja, the thing between um, Ja and Trey is... You could definitely make a case, especially with how much the NBA prioritizes shooting, that Trey is the player that you'd take going forward. Um, ja is the better athlete, and Ja projects as a plus defender, in my opinion, in two to three years. That's true, yeah, yeah. And Trey can only hope to not be a black hole on that end. That's that's the best possible scenario for him. He just simply – he's basically Tyus Jones on the defensive end, just cannot get over screens because of how uh, physically small in stature he is. But – um, I'll say possibly the best point guard prospect of the last five to ten years 
It's it's Trey it's Trey John Fox, right? I think Fox is down a tier from them. No, I'm it, saying it, like it, if you set a top three, it's Trey Jaw Fox. Do you think Ben Simmons is a point guard? I do not count Ben Simmons as a point guard. And honestly, even if he did, would he be in that top three? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Is Luca positionless player? I don't Luke, even know where to put him. Luca's basketball Jesus. <laughs> He that basically that doesn't warrant a position. He's yeah. basketball Jesus. He doesn't have a position. He plays all the positions and he does the ball. If, better if, than you, anybody. if you want to, if you wanted to count Luca mm-hmm. in that, Luca's the best. And, and while we're on the topic of Luca, getting off topic on Luca for just a second, I'll just say one thing. I love Jaron. I think Jaron's a great player. I think he's got to be a generational talent for the Memphis Grizzlies. But man, it hurts knowing that Luca was a pick away. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It, it, um, it hurts I, to this day. At least we can take some comfort in the fact that knowing <coughs> they have jaw, they have jaw. That I mean, well, yeah. And at least we know that the Grizzlies didn't pass on him like the Suns and Kings did. That is very true. You know, do you expect anything different from those two franchises, though? Nope. And so, I mean, do you have anything more to add on that? I mean, really, it's just there's kind of been this narrative for the last decade that the Grizzlies, you know, nothing good ever happens to them in the draft. You know, nothing good ever happens in the offseason. And there's certainly been some unlucky things to happen. Chandler Parsons basically, I don't even know what to say. Like, his, his, his knees literally collapsed. Yeah. His knees literally died the second he became a Memphis Grizzly. And um, they obviously never drafted well enough to give the core four complimentary pieces to help push them toward a championship. I'll never get over how the Grizzlies medical staff basically bashed Jordan Adams' knee with a hammer every single day for two years. (laughs) You you know what I once said, and I'll say it again, and this is for people that know me, you know how big of a Chandler Parsons guy I am. Chandler Parsons limped so that Grayson Allen could fly. What's Grayson? Grayson Allen is hurt right now. He's no, he's recover- not. He came back. He's recovering. He had an ankle first, sprain. It was his he first came back. Or? It was an ankle sprain. Uh, what do you define as flying? Flying. <laughs> Come on. Let's... I'm not even saying in the terms of just like, he's going to fill the hole Chandler Parsons is supposed to be. Okay, he's supposed to fill the hole in my heart. Okay. Because Grayson Allen is one of my favorite college basketball players. That's why I said it. Well, Ch- well, Chandler Parsons, we had the idea of him being an 18-5-5 and five guy for the Grizzlies. Grayson Allen's not feeling no, that I wasn't, in your life. No, no just like – no, not that. Just oh, like just the, the fact white, that – The white guy. The white guy. You sure. Say, yeah, 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 the white guy. Okay. Yeah, there we go. We're, we're being honest here. We're being very candid. Um, I don't – I do not discriminate, but <laughs> – Grayson Allen is one of my favorite college basketball players. Dis- you gotta root. You gotta root for a, a white guy making it in the NBA. Dis- discrimination is when you don't like someone because of the color of their skin. I know. You can like someone because they're white. You can <laughs> like a white basketball player. There's not many white American basketball players in the NBA who are guards. We gotta I, we gotta cheer on the ones we have. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that that kind of got to a transition to. We actually do very well on time. Wow. We are trying to make the core four a 25, 30 minute podcast and we're mm-hmm. doing fantastic because this is the last thing we're thankful for. Well, they're thankful for a lot of things, but one thing I'm thankful for, I've always wanted to write about this too. It should have been a good off season piece, but I just never got around to it. At one time, 
the Grizzlies place their hope in Kobe Simmons and Wayne Seldon <laughs> and Marshawn Brooks. Come on, who else? I got to think of more. Jarrell Martin. I'm not going to slander Jarrell Martin. What? Why? Huh? Oh yeah, because he's like bet he's like family friends to my girlfriend and oh, her family. Okay. So okay. Yeah. he's um, he's a very nice guy. I'm not gonna slander he, him. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. no, that's fair. That's fair. Deontay Davis, Andrew Harrison. I, I did you um, go see the clip on Twitter from like a couple of weeks ago? It was on draft night in twenty sixteen and Deontay Davis's facial expression when Pascal Siakam got drafted ahead of him and he shook his head and said, What? <laughs> I think you should have been pretty. I think I might. I think I might have known what happened with that. So, my mock draft fiend, and every a lot of the mock drafts I saw, saw had Deontay Davis going nine to Toronto. So it was one of those things like, oh, they got another pick, and it's like, oh, are you kidding me? Like mm-hmm. they passed on me twice. Yeah, that could have been it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, still, like, who, like who the hell is Pascal Siakam? Yeah, it's still kind of funny that Siakam is now going to be a first-time All-Star. Deontay Davis, I believe, is still playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors. That is but, very but true. Consi- but considering how the Grizzlies played against the Warriors last week, Deontay Davis could have had 15 and 10. <laughs> true. But um, where I was going with this is we had false hope. But also, and my thing I'm thankful for is the fact that the Grizzlies have players aside from Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Moran. I'm gonna even throw Brandon Clark in that tier of like non cornerstone guys that you can still be hopeful for to be players in the future. I mean, granted, Dylan Brooks isn't what we thought he would be in his rookie season, and he may never become that. But the fact that he's still producing at a quality rotation player level when guys like John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Clark, and to an extent Jay Crowder are higher on the pecking order than he is, it's very promising that he's contributing. Dylan's contract will be interesting after this year um, because there's not really a lot of – Contemporaries currently in the league for a latter second round pick who is a decent double figure scorer for, I guess you could say, three years, even though he missed most of his second season. For three years, when the team, when his team was bad, mm-hmm. all three of those years, he doesn't have many contemporaries in that regard. So, very interested to see what he would like as far as contract is concerned. But the Grizzlies should bring him back. I think he could be a bench piece for the Grizzlies on a playoff team going forward. Yeah, um, he's never going to be the Grizzlies' starting shooting guard of the future, but that's fine. That's what Anthony Edwards is for. But mm-hmm. and then the second group I'm going to have in there is one of three. Of Marco Guterich, DeAnthony Melton, and Grayson Allen. Mm-hmm. Grayson well, Allen. One of those three guys will end up becoming a consistent rotation player for the right. Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, putting aside my bias for Grayson Allen because of who he was, I grew up a Duke fan, grew up a JJ Redick fan. It's a given. I like Grayson Allen. Sorry, but we talked about this before the show. What he does different than the other three is, or the other two, is he tries to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And he actually does succeed at times. Like he makes good entry passes. He finds people when he drives into the lane up at, up above the rim, whether it's John Moran or Brandon Clark. Um, he has a nifty little floater that he kind of does. Um, 
I like his promise as an outside shooter. I think his shots last night is just one of those rhythm kind of things. He's trying to get his feet under him from missing, what, like 12 games? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like what he can do. It just, what he's, his role right now is probably what his role is going to be for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marco Goodrich, in theory, he's a good player. One thing I like about Goodrich, it's very. It's like a low bar, but he very, makes very little mistakes. Like he's not gonna like he's four. A, he's a high IQ Euro player, right? Is. And so if he can actually become a forty percent three point shooter, that's something. And mm-hmm. then DeAnthony Melton, he's just loved by the nerds. He has amazing defensive potential. And then his scoring that he showed in garbage time last week against Denver, you're like. Okay, why aren't why isn't this guy playing? Especially when you see how Tyus has been playing for the last five games. Not saying I disagree with your point about Grayson, but just playing devil's advocate here. If you're looking, and you know my philosophy on this, when I'm looking for rotation players off the bench, I would rather have what one elite skill, one elite skill than a guy like a James Ennis, who is just kind of mediocre across the board and won't, well, won't, won't really hurt you in any sort of way when I mean, he's on the court. It's helped James Ennis be a yeah. rotation player in Philly. Yeah, it's true. But I remember back at the time, I'm thinking Troy Daniels helps your team much more than James Ennis does. Right. Put Troy Daniels on the court. And Troy Daniels won games the Memphis Grizzlies, which is not something that James Ennis could say. But if we're going to apply that philosophy to these three, in theory, for these three guys – Melton is an elite perimeter defender. That's not even really in theory. He statistically, that's what mm-hmm. he was in Phoenix last year. Um, in theory, Guderich is an elite knockdown three point shooter. Now he looks, he's hesitant to let it fly most of the time, and it, you say he's kind of hesitant to make mistakes. Well, passing up open threes, especially with the way the NBA is played now, is a mistake. And I, I don't know how many times he's passed up an open three and ends up taking an ill-advised drive, which leads to an ill-advised shot or another bad shot later in the shot clock. Um, but in theory, Goodrick is a knockdown three-point shooter, shot 47% from three in Europe. What is Grayson Allen's elite skill? I mean, he doesn't have an elite skill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just does – a he little does, bit does. of everything, yeah. mm. average to good. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a good secondary playmaker. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a guy that if you needed him to, you'll bring the ball up and run an offense. And I mean, it's not elite. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to go out and say, oh yeah, Grayson Allen sh- should be the guy over them because I think it's Anthony Melton. Mm-hmm. Um. And then one last guy I'd like to bring up in that little group is Josh Jackson. Just in terms, like the thing with Josh Jackson, it's the unknown mm-hmm. because he has this pedigree of McDonald's All American, top five pick, super athletic. He scored in double, he's averaged double digit points, and you're like, I want this guy to be next to Jaron and Jaw, and then. Obviously, there's the concerns that the analytics throw out there and the nerds and stuff. That, it, it's the ones that say that Jakob Pertl's better than Julius Randle. But um, yeah. it, the it, fact that you have that... Imagine how excited we would have been to have a Josh Jackson in like 2016 or 2017 when we were being excited over Kobe Simmons, Wayne Selden, Andrew Harrison, Deontay Davis. 
Like I think people underestimate. In, in obviously, it might be changing for the better now, which is good for them. But what franchise did Josh Jackson play for before coming to Memphis? The Phoenix Suns. He first off, the Suns is not exactly a promising fortress for player development, and hasn't been in recent years. And two, he's a young, athletic swingman who did not play with an NBA-caliber point guard his first two years in the league. Well, let's actually just bring up who he's played with as point guard. He played Isaiah Cannon, uh, Shaq Kendall, Harrison. Kendall Marshall. I, th- I think Kendall Marshall wiped out a league before Josh Jackson came in. I get them all confused at this point. But he was uh, playing with G League-caliber point guards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he hasn't even played with a point guard of the caliber of Tyus Jones. He hasn't. I know you're slander— you've, He's your new guy that you're slandering now, but like it, it, it alternates. It, he'll he'll have a bounce back game, and I'll move on to someone else next. I'm feeling good, Rick, for my next guy, but he deserves this opportunity. He deserves his chance, and really, I'm going to withhold all judgment on it until he's up here playing with the Grizzlies. That needs to happen sooner rather than later. I know that was a little bit of a discussion on social media this morning. Um, he's averaging 22 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and two blocks and a steal mm-hmm. with the hustle right now. So yeah. I don't really know what else you want him to do. Um, our own Brandon Abraham has talked to um, uh, the hustle coaching staff, and they've all said about how much of a leader he's been. They've spoken glowingly um, about how well he's played mm-hmm. and how much of a model player he's been for the other guys on the team. And I don't know really know what else he has to prove, and he deserves this opportunity with the Grizzlies. And I think if there are people that are very concerned about his character or mistakes that he's made in his past, why is he with the hustle in the first place? Why is he on the roster in the first place? Cut him. If you think his character is that big of an issue, if you don't think he deserves the opportunity that we think he deserves, then just cut him. Because making the G League out to be like it's some halfway house or rehab facility, I think is frankly disrespectful to the other guys that are playing for the hustle right now. Mm. Mm. This is my opinion anyway. Yeah. But nonetheless, you could be excited about him and actually it's warranted, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and that's a good thing to have because the Grizzlies don't need Josh Jackson to become what he was supposed to be when the Phoenix Suns selected him at number four in the 2017 NBA draft. They don't need that. But if it does happen... You're looking at a title contender in four years. I'm trying to think of like a a comp of who you would need. If he can literally just become Will Barton. I mean, he's he's a lot bigger than Will Barton. Will Barton's 6'4". Well, he's probably buck 85. I don't know. I had somebody tell me who's like 6'5", that Josh and him like looked eye to eye. Really? Yeah. Well, then again, NBA player heights are just so askew that it's kind of hard to tell all the time. But, but still, if he can become Will Barton or I'm trying to think of any – I mean, best case, I was about to say this say in the group chat when we were talk, when I just said, like, why not try to see what you can get for DeRozan? I was going to say, why, why go for DeRozan when you have Josh Jackson? So I think – I mean, I don't know. Josh Jackson can shoot threes. And that's the difference, Josh Jackson. <laughs> Josh Jackson can shoot. But really, if he can become someone like Will Barton. I, I think, um, in theory, Josh Jackson is a perfect fit with this young core. And honestly, I just want to throw out his entire time with the Phoenix Suns. I think it's encouraging that he scored in double figures 
over his first two years. But as far as his concerns defensively, yeah, the, 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 the Phoenix Suns had a great defensive culture, really big time, always have. No, not at all. Yeah, their um, philosophy was let the other team score more than us so that we can get a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Josh Jackson, he didn't finish at the rim well. I counter that with he never played with an NBA caliber point guard. But also, that, that could be a concern, but I want to see it. His shooting, he only shot in the low third. He shot, I believe, 28% from three over his two years in Phoenix. He, he shot 28% rookie year, 32% last year. So he showed a little bit of improvement, which, you know, could be marginal. It could just be a fluke. But he's shooting 50% from three over nine games of the hustle right now, eight games of the hustle right now. And again, it's the G League. It's not a perfect correlation. But you're going to tell me that man could not shoot at all? Not shooting, at all? Shooting, shooting. Yeah, shooting is shooting. And he's shooting contested threes against NBA caliber athletes, even if they're not NBA skilled athletes. Don't overthink this. Give this man his opportunity. Give this man his shot. Mm. Also, I mean, I like what – see, I'm – I mean, of course, I'm in this boat where I want Josh Jackson on the Grizzlies, but I low-key like the hustle thing because he's getting to groom himself to be, like, that leader. And But also, too, I want him called up soon so that he can get just a little bit of time under Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, mm-hmm. two really strong veterans for that locker room. Before Solomon Hill takes a hike. <laughs> Before Solomon Hill gets traded to a contender. Well, honestly, if uh, Josh Jackson gets called up, Solomon Hill will probably be the one. That's out of the rotation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Odd one out. Yeah, that's just how it goes. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Um, what do you do? You have any feel as for a timetable? I, no one really seems to know, but it just in your mind, gut feeling, when do you think he's going to be on the active roster of the Memphis Grizzlies? Um, I would raise an eyebrow if it's before if it's after Christmas. See, I was listening to Chris Harrington this morning. He was on with Jeff Calkins, and <laughs> he kind of threw Joe under the bus. Uh, Calkins brought up that um, uh, Joe had said that the starting lineup by Christmas needs to be John Morant, uh, Jay Crowder, Josh Jackson, Brandon Clark, and um, who am I leaving out? Are you sure he? Are you sure he said? Uh, Jay Crowder, I think he said Ja, Dylan, Josh, Brandon, maybe, maybe so. I may be getting that mixed up. But uh, Harrington's response was, that's silly. <laughs> so I don't know which part of that lineup, but I assume it was about Josh Jackson that he was referring to. Yeah. Um, this could be a New Year's experiment. I think it's going to take longer than many people expect. Um, I think if he's still doing what he's doing by New Year's, he'll be called up to the active yeah. roster. I think... I think it should be soon, though. I mean, he Ball is Live tweeted out um, a highlight video of Josh Jackson from yesterday. Mm-hmm. It said, Josh Jackson with 23 points, 11 and 19 field goal, five assists, five rebounds. Jaron Jackson tweeted, quoted that tweet with the emoji with the steam going through the nose. And then Jay Crowder call, uh, quoted it and said, call up soon, my brother. Trust the grind. 100 emoji, fist bump emoji. Meanwhile, Solomon Hill sitting over here like, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, do you have anything else to add before we close the show? Not really. I think we've covered just about everything I wanted to talk about. Same here. So, Nate, plug away. Remember the Twitter handle. Okay. Hey, I, I already had it. I didn't even need a reminder this time. Said, my name is Nathan Chester. You can follow me on Twitter at NathanChester24. You can find all my Grizzlies-related content at grizzlybearblues.com. Yeah, 
And you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core Four Podcast with the number four, not the word four. Follow Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Read their content on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. Brandon Abraham had a great column today talking about Josh Jackson. He did. Um, he's killing it with the hustle. Mm-hmm. And then um, listen to the 3D podcast. Listen to GBB Live because we're going to have a lot of content podcast-wise. Big time. And I need to say one more final thing. I just want to apologize. Parker may think you're not listening, but I know there are a few boomers who listen to this show. And I apologize for any negative comments that were made about the grit and grind era. Please do not make an angry Facebook post about us. (laughs) Okay, boomer. (laughs) Okay, uh, that's all, folks. (laughs) 